Good morning. I would uh, like to go this morning as a way of introduction to the book of 2 John. Now, this is one of the shortest books of the Bible. I mean, you could you could read this book five times in ten minutes. That's, that's how short this is. I didn't do that, but you could if you wanted to. It's that short of a book. And uh, it's written directly uh, from the Apostle John to, he says, the elect lady and her children. Uh, one of the, the great things about the Bible is that, you know, either way you interpret that of him, I've heard of people saying that, you know, the elect lady is meant to be a church, that he's writing this to a church, to the children being uh, the members of that church. Uh, or if you looked at it as him writing specifically to a lady, to a woman, to a mother and her children. I don't think you would be wrong in assuming either one. You still get a wonderful message either way that you look at it. Um, But he says, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. So he says uh, the truth. And again, that's uh, something else that you could look at that multiple ways. And the beautiful thing is you wouldn't be wrong. You really would not be wrong. Um, you could, I'm swayed to think that the truth could mean the gospel truth. It could be that he's talking about the truth of the gospel, that he is, that it, for the gospel's sake, he's writing this, that dwelleth in all of us and the children of God who have known the truth mm-hmm. and shall be with us forever. It could also be talking about uh, Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within us. Uh, either way, I don't think you would be wrong. Um, I want to jump down to verse 4. He says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. <laughs> and, and again, I think when you look at that, you would not be wrong in either way thinking that he could be talking about the gospel or he could be talking about Jesus Christ. And I, uh, I think that is an important to, to remember, to know, uh, to look at it in both instances. You can glean a lot from it. Mm-hmm. You think about walking in gospel truth. Well, if he's writing this, uh, whether he's to a church or to a woman, how uh, important important the emphasis is he's putting on how you can see people walking in gospel truth. Uh, as a church, you think of uh, how we're gathered here together, together. Some people look at how we worship as very simple, but it is according to gospel truth and how we worship. In uh, the fourth chapter of John, I think it's the fourth chapter of John, Jesus uh, Jesus tells the people to that God... Uh, God wishes for us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when, when we worship Christ according to the gospel, we worship Him according to the Bible and according to truth. And uh, so it could be that He is um, greatly encouraging that, that he's, He has seen that, how they have followed the ordinances of God according to the gospel. And uh, <clears throat> in the... Eighth chapter of John, I think, is another place where you see that he could be talking about gospel truth. Where in the now, this is a passage where Jesus is uh, talking to talking to Jews, and um, 
he, said, he, is, he says to the ones who have believed on him, to the Jews that did believe, in verse 31, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I do believe part of what he's talking about there is the, is the gospel truth. If you were to follow, like Brother Kevin was saying, through his commandments, then you are following the gospel truth, and you will continue to grow in that knowledge. Amen. And uh, there are there are um, many who don't believe that truth, who've, uh, who don't believe in the, the peace that you have in that truth of uh, not having to do anything to become a child of God. There's a, a great peace in that. And I think it's important to know in the 47th verse of that same chapter, he says, He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Amen. Again, it's just, it's that simple. And it's... Uh, and it's the truth, the gospel truth. And it, I, I believe that it's very evident among us when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, he could also, like I said, be talking about um, speaking to the church. I think it pleases God to see when we follow in the Bible's ordinances of walking in truth and not moved from them or swayed away or tempted to <laughs> depart from them. You know, I think it's a great fallacy that people believe that as long as you're sincere, it doesn't really matter how you worship or uh, how you behave. Because let me say this, I, I very much enjoy listening to, to sermons over a podcast. And I love uh, Zoom. I think technology has been very beneficial to, uh, to us in learning and growing in knowledge. But I do believe that when God said that it pleases him to worship him in spirit and in truth, I, I feel very much that when we're gathered together in this setting Amen. with God's people, Amen. that uh, it, it is pleasing to God. And I think you can feel that. I, I think there's, <laughs> I feel very differently yes. when I've missed a Sunday and I've had to listen to it over a podcast or a Zoom than when I'm here gathered with God's people listening. You feel, you feel like the Spirit moves differently. Like, you know, it just, and I think it's because it's pleasing to God and we feel the effects of that. <clears throat> so again, I, you wouldn't be wrong if you said he's talking about the church. He's talking about gospel truth. And I think, uh, again, you wouldn't be wrong to think that he's talking about Christ. That you can see Christ in someone. Uh, in the, the truth of Christ in someone. And I think that because he says down in the fifth verse of Second John, And I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it reminds me of uh, Christ Christ saying, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he was saying there that, you know, he is the truth. And he also gave us, he said, the greatest, the commandment of love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think John is reiterating right here that people see Christ in us when we do that, when we follow that. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I don't think I could quote the entire law verbatim. I might could, I might could you know, uh, get my way, like stumble through it. I probably, could, I probably wouldn't get it in the exact order or anything. But here he's saying, really, you fulfill the whole law when you just you show that love one to another, you show love to thy neighbor, you won't <laughs> you won't uh, 
go against the law if you, I mean, if you love somebody. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to lie to them. If you truly love someone, you won't do those things. Uh, so you fulfill the whole law in just that. And uh, I think here, John, if John was addressing this woman on her children, I think he could see that. I think he, he could see uh, these children. Now, I don't know how old these children, uh, children were if he's talking about children. They could be that they're grown adults. Like people still refer to me as my mom's child. It could be they're adults. could be their kids. I don't know. I know if I was a kid, uh, my parents weren't getting letters like this about me. So it could be that they were young. That they were young kids, though. But it, to me, it's really you know beautiful that I think John could see love in these children. He could see, uh, and I think I've talked on this before, is that I, I truly believe whenever you show that kind of love to somebody, that that's really how people see Christ in you. And I think that's also what <laughs> one of the ways John means when he says walking in truth. Mm-hmm. You know, walking in truth, it's, it's having, it, he says here, is uh, really just ha- having love towards everyone, mm-hmm. having love one towards another. And by doing so, you fulfilled all the commandments. And it is evident. People can see that. And uh, as a gospel church, uh, following God's truth, I think we're fulfilling that <coughs> here today in professing uh, the truth as it is written in word and worshiping as it is written in word. Thank you. I enjoyed it thoroughly and, and give a hearty amen to his comments. The uh, You know what God, the reason we can love is because God gives us to love a love to love with. And uh, you know that's uh, that's important. And 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 the apostle Paul said that the and the Lord Jesus Christ said the whole law hinges on these two things: to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and all your mind and strength, and to love thy neighbor as yourself. Now in 13th chapter of John, Christ put a different gloss on that one. All right. <clears throat> now you think about how much you love yourself, and do you, so if you love yourself that much. Do you show that kind of love to the rest of your brothers and sisters here? Are you, do you care about them as much as you care about yourself? If you don't, then there's a great deficiency in that love. But the, the, the gloss that Christ gives that's even deeper is a new commandment I give unto you, and that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, that's worth dying for. Would you die for me? Would you die for your brothers and sisters here? If it come down to it, would you do it? And that's, that's the challenge. To get, to perfect that love. That love has to be perfected. It's, it's perfect in you, but it may not be perfect through you. The love God gives is a perfect love. It's up to us to perfect it in us. When we, when we love God with a perfect love, those commandments that God commands with Him about have no idols, have no other gods, of worshiping the Lord on the on His day, all those commandments you do, and you do it cheerfully and joyfully. If you love God that much, if you love one another that much, you would love each other enough that you would give your life for them. That's that's hard, but that's perfection. And we we work at perfecting many things in our lives. You know, to be the best at whatever we do, there should be nothing that we ought not to work any harder at than the love of God. 
And that, my friends, is when the church flourishes. Uh, I appreciate what Brother Cole said this morning. Amen. Now I'm going to uh, <clears throat> change gears a little bit. I, I, there's a, you know, the, the scriptures are uh, sometimes they can be right confusing. I mean, I'll just get right down and be truthful about the matter. Uh, some of the scriptures are, you know, they deal with with ceremonial law. You're not a Jew, are you? I mean, I'm, nobody here was brought up under the Jewish law, uh, the Orthodox Jewish law. You, know, you were not, uh, you know, we, we, there, there are so many words and, and languages that are affixed to that. Um, when you read in the books of, especially when, when you know, when, when the writers, Moses, get in, gets into Leviticus and, you know, and the end of Exodus, and, and a lot of that's repetition of, of how God commands the Israelites to do and you know, and, and you kind of get bogged down in things like that. Uh, I don't want you to get bogged down. I hope you read your Bibles but, and understand that when you read those things, look for Jesus Christ in them. All right, look for Christ, and you're going to find the reason those things are there. Uh, these were types and shadows of, of Jesus Christ. But, uh, but the Bible really ultimately is a very simple book. It's, it's very easily understood. It, it takes a little effort to read it. But it's the best, no, you know, it's better than any novel you'll read. If you, if you want to know like an exciting book, if something to keep you on the edge of your seat, read the stories of the Bible. They're, I mean, I get excited still. I mean, I do. When I read the book of, uh, of Esther, when they're about to hang, when Haman's just about ready to, to you know, to, <laughs> that, that Esther's to, to, to expose him for what he is, it, it, my, love, my heart starts beating. I think, well, I can't wait to get to that part again to see this wicked man get what he deserves because he's trying to kill all the Jews. Right? It's just, uh, it's, it, there's, a, there's cliffhangers. If you never read them, you know, you think, what's going to happen next? Um, but, uh, so read your Bibles and, and look for Christ in there. But the Bible ultimately is very simple. You know, Jesus Christ called, he did not call scholars to preach, did he? Anybody know of a scholar? A Jewish scholar? Well, maybe the Apostle Paul. I'll take that back. He was a Jewish scholar. But the twelve disciples were not scholars. They, you know, they were fishermen, tax collectors. They, they were not scholars in the Bible, in, in the Jewish law. Uh, and yet Christ called those men to preach the kingdom of God. Now, there is such a simple theme in the Bible that a fisherman can preach it. That a tax collector can preach it. That a TVA, ex-TVA electrician and real estate agent can preach. I'm not a scholar in the Bible. I just have enough sense to read, you know, and, and pray. I can pray. I can read. I can pray. I can ask God. You know what God says? He says, ask me for wisdom, and it shall be given you. You want to know what the Bible means? Ask God about it, and then read it. So in doing that... <coughs> I want to bring you out a lesson today that, that you know, it's, it's a subject that every one of us know about. It's about trees. That perked you up, man. I mean, Lawson's going to preach about trees. Uh, the Bible, trees, I said it right, you know, trees. It, it's, the Bible talks about trees in ways that you and I can understand eternal salvation. In ways that you and I can understand depravity. In ways that you and I can understand how we view ourselves. 
It's a very simple thing to think about, a tree. And yet the Bible uses it over and over and over and over to teach us lessons, simple lessons, very simple. You know, it all started with a tree, and it all going to end with a tree. All right? You, you remember the tree that was forbidden, that God planted himself in the garden that he, 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 there is a place called Eden. God put a garden within this place. And he planted every tree that was good to eat in that garden. One tree, he told man, you cannot eat this tree. I command you not to do it. All the other trees are yours to have. There's only two mentions. The tree of life. There were more. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day that you verily put your mouth to it and eat thereof, you will die. You think God meant what he said? Look at the cemeteries, folks. This, we're still reaping the benefits of such a... Uh, uh, of such a fall of man. That, that, was the, that was the ways that you and I are going to pay. The wages of sin is death. You know what? There, there is no discharge from that war. That's what Solomon says about it. No discharge from that war of death. With the only exception, if Jesus Christ comes back before we die, we will not taste of that death. But that's, that's the only exception. Other than that, you know, I'm going down. <laughs> I'm going down to the grave. That was the result of that fall. But not only did, did that fall or that, that commandment that Adam specifically and purposely disobeyed. He was right there with his wife, y'all. There's a, people say, well, Eve went out and collected Adam and, and, and brought him back. No, Adam was there. The Bible says specifically that the man was with her. He was with her. All right, she took it. She gave it to him. He ate. And, then, and God said whatever, whatever God says, he does, right? God is not a liar like you and I. We oftentimes say things and we don't do it. God's not that way. God cannot lie. It's impossible. You and I can. <clears throat> so when, when, when Adam put his mouth to the fruit of that tree, you and I and all, all of the posterity of Adam, everybody ever born into this world with the exception of Jesus Christ became enemies to God, worthy of, of eternal separation, there would be nothing good in an individual after that, period. Now, God has to give this individual who has nothing good in him moral laws because that's the only thing that's going to govern him. God's got to say, you can't do this, you can't do that, you must do this, you must do that, or, or else there, there's nothing to restrain man. Nothing to restrain us. Oh. Uh, so, so the, the first tree, the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil, is a, is a tree of destruction. It's a tree of death. Right? It is. And, and, and you and I ate it. You say, well, I, I wasn't there. Yes, you were. It was in representation. When Adam ate it, you ate it. When Adam fell, you fell. Then God asked Adam a question. Adam, where art thou? You think God wanted to know his geographical location? You think God had no idea? You know where Adam hid? He hid in the trees. You know, sometimes we hide in trees thinking we can escape God. No, we can't. God still knows where we're at. That's not what God was wanting. He's what, he wasn't wanting Adam to say, I'm over here behind this juniper tree. You can't see me. I'm hiding. God knew where he was at. Notice the question, where art thou? 
What kind of condition are you in? Where are you right now from where you were just a little while ago? How far have you fallen? Now, there's a serpent that put a certain twist to the commandment of God that caused man in a state of innocency. Now, man was not spiritual. Do not, God, Christ, uh, Adam did not fall from eternal life. He fell from a garden to where in that garden he had communion with God as a natural man. As a natural man, he had communion with God and, and he and his wife could till the land. They could dress it and keep it. I mean, they could, and they could, they were given commandments to, uh, to, to be fruitful and multiply while in that condition. No shame whatsoever in their nakedness. None. Why would they? They were not sinners. They had no idea of nothing about sin. So in that condition, Satan can twist the word of God and tell Adam and Eve that hath God said the day that you eat of this tree you shall surely die? He said no. God understands that when you eat of this tree that you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Now that is very tempting. Now, do you think that man in that condition can be tempted to be as God and then we in our fallen condition cannot have the same temptation? I say yes. I say it's worse on us. I say we still put ourselves in the position of God as fallen individuals. Look around you, folks. Look, look, look at what goes on in a corrupt world and people who exalt themselves above God. Even in the religious world, they exalt themselves above God. You know, Paul talks... I'm not going to get into that. Uh, <clears throat> so so as, as God asking, where are you? Where art thou? That, that is God saying, how far have you fallen now, Adam? You know, what, what, what condition are you in? What happened when you ate the tree? All right, so, and Brother Carlos made a good comment. I uh, was back here talking about this tree earlier, and I, that's what I was on my mind to, to preach, and, and uh, he brought the subject up. And that, that just kind of stirs me when, when that happens. <clears throat> so, so Adam went down and he went out. God drove the man out of the garden. He went down in sin and he went out of that garden. God said, you are not staying here. Now, God had a conversation with himself. I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And in that conversation, listen to the words of God specifically. All right? This is found in the book of Genesis, in the third chapter. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. That's after the fall. Behold, the man is become as one of us. Now, I don't want to say that God is sarcastic, <laughs> but when God speaks this way, what he is saying is that was his expectation. Satan lied to him. Behold him now. I mean, as, as the eternal God, Father, Son, and Spirit are, are looking at man hiding in the tree, trying to hide his nakedness. By the way, he took a fig leaf they did, from a tree. Man tries to take things from a tree to hide their own nakedness. God had to kill an animal, shed some blood, dress them with some skin. 
God dressed Adam and Eve in clothing that was fitting for them. They tried to do it themselves with sewing fig leaves together. Didn't work. God wasn't pleased with that. You see, the first type of Christ in that dead animal that God slayed himself. That's important. To cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Now, behold, man has become as one of us to know good and evil. He wants to be like us. How about that? Still today. It's no different today. In fact, we're worse today. If man and if man in innocence can do that, then man fallen can still have the idea that he can do that. He, not, we are our own God. Nobody can tell us what to do. You know that that's that that's kind of the idea. You know of of, of us. I'm, we're going to talk about that in a, in a, in a uh, little bit later uh, concerning that. Now. He wants to. He, uh, he's become one of us to, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, if he did this, wanting to be God, he is going to assume that he can put his hand right forth to the tree of life and eat of that tree and then live forever. That's what man's going to assume. Lest he do that. Lest, lest he conjure this up in his mind that he has the free will. Uh-huh. He has the free will to take of the tree of life at his own will and design and eat that tree and live forever, be eternally alive. That's what forever means. Man is going to think he can do this. God is going to show he cannot do this. So God drove the man out. And God protected the way, not the ways. You know, there are so many things that, that people say uh, in the religious world today, well, all you have to do is do this, and then you'll be affixed to Christ. Or no, you have to do this. No, you have to do this. All of these works and efforts that, that we assume that we have to do, I'm going to tell you, you can't do them, and they'd be acceptable to God. Any... <clears throat> Anything that you and I can, can think of or anybody that tells us things that we must do to partake of the tree of life is telling you a lie. God has put a flaming sword that turns every way. Now that sword, because God is a consuming fire, y'all. God is a consuming fire. That's what he says about himself. So the way of that sword will consume every effort that man tries to get to that tree of life with the only exception of God's way. And that's it. So that's why it is a singular way that God protects. And, and that when people understand that this is God's protecting His, His way of the tree of life, they'll, they, you know, we should quit trying to get there ourselves. And let's, let's, let's evaluate this from the, from the, from the standpoint of trees. That's, that's a simple thing. Trees. Let's evaluate this from the standpoint of trees, and we're going to understand that, you know, God is the author of this salvation. God has a way to the tree of life. God works that way out to the tree of life. You and I do not freely partake of it of our own will and accord. You did not decide to do this. Now, the Apostle Paul in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians talks about the, the foundation. The, the, uh, you know, he was a, a master builder of, of uh, 
and, and the church laying the foundation of Christ, he said, let a man take heed on how he builds on this. Because if you, if you build gold, silver, and precious metals, your, your work's going to stand. In other words, if you build spiritual things, if you build right on top of this, you're going to divide things out where people can understand the, the gospel of Christ easily. Even talking about trees. But if you build on this wood, hay, and stubble, he said, <clears throat> the, the, uh, their work will be tried by fire. In other words, God's going to burn it up. That flaming sword is going to touch every doctrine that's ever been produced that is contrary to the truth. And it will put it up in flames. Now, man may try to rebuild it, but the Word of God is still going to put it up in flames. God's truth is always going to burn us down. It always will. Now, God puts His flaming sword to keep the way of a tree. The tree of life is Christ Himself. Now, I think it was a real tree. I think it was a natural tree in that garden. But, but now God is showing us there is no way back to God except through, and, and, and you know, we don't have to explain. If you're a good Bible reader at all, you understand Jesus Christ is the tree of life. And we're, we're going to get there. All right. So, so when Christ says, excuse me, I didn't mean to spit. Get a drink. I remember Brother Churchill doing that a lot, y'all. I sit right here and Brother Churchill would, 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 and when your mouth gets dry, it just flies out sometime. I apologize. I'm not sure where it went. Hopefully not on Cole's phone. Oh. So when Jesus Christ says things like this, and I want you to I want you to notice the monopoly God has on eternal salvation. And he does. <clears throat> Jesus Christ says, No man can come to the Father except by me. And that's no man. That's you and I. Brother Tim McCool, he preached a sermon one time called No Man's Land, and that was his theme. He puts good titles to his sermons. I think that's really, really good. No Man's Land. No man with no exception, can go to God and be in heaven with, it, with only the exception being through Christ, the tree of life. All right? People say, that's, I believe that. I'll go along with that. All right, well, let's, let's don't stop there. Jesus Christ says, no man can come to me. Wait a minute. No man can go to the Father except through you. Now you're saying no man can go to you. Sounds like we're stuck. We are. That's what he's saying. You're in no man's land. No man can come to me with the only exception, the Father that sent me, draw him. Now that word literally means to drag. doesn't mean to ask. It doesn't mean to convince. It doesn't mean to, to ask to comply. It doesn't mean, uh, friends, that, 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 uh, that obedience to God is that kind of drawing. That means to drag. That means to, you know, and I always use this as an example. There's not a better one I can think of. If you go out to a whale house and you know there's a bucket in that whale, how many people sit there and look in that whale house and say, all right, bucket, come up? That bucket is not able to come up. It has no ability. It's not about will. It has no ability. The sinner cannot comply. And being dead in sins, how in the world can he comply to the commandments of a spiritual father? Now, he can, he can comply to natural commandments. Sure he can. But he cannot comply to spiritual life. This is a whole different world that, that we're talking about now. 
We're talking about a spiritual world, not a natural one. But what if somebody takes that rope and pulls the bucket up themselves? Now that is power over the bucket. That's what Christ says. Nobody can come to me except the Father draw him to me. And then he goes one step further. No man knoweth the Father except the Son. Neither knoweth any man the Son except the Father. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. You see all these exceptions? The exceptions are in every case God has to work this out. Or you and I don't have it. The tree of life is our eternal life. God keeps its way for His own glory and for His own purpose. God works the way for His children to partake of that free of that tree freely to His own glory and to His own purpose. Because remember, God cast us out. There, and, and, and he shut us out. And, and any other way to it that you can assume, as Christ said himself, the same as a thief and a robber. You, you're just going to try to rob God, aren't you? And, uh, and it's not good. It's not good to rob God. Not, in, not even in conceiving that you can. Now, if I could, well, I won't go there, but we can rob God in some ways. And that's not good. <clears throat> now, the tree of life, being who he is, being Christ himself. All right, now how do we explain this? We, we say there's a tree of death. There's a tree that uh, we fell in that Adam represented us. And when he, when he ate it, we ate it too. All right. Now what about the tree of life? How do I know I'm a part of this tree of life? That's what I want to know. That should be what you want to know. Because if you're not, you will pay for your sins. If not, when your time comes to die, you will pay for your sins by being eternally separated from God. That's serious. You know, we, we have... the Ginger and I watched the, uh, a show called American Religion. Download it sometime and watch it. Gospel. American Gospel. Thank you. American Gospel. And how it has absolutely deviated from the truth it's mind blowing. I, I, you know, and I, I knew about people like Osteen and, and Benny Hinn and, 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 and Kenneth Copeland and things, people like that. I, I don't listen to those folks. I hope you don't either. You know, don't don't listen to that kind of garbage. <clears throat> when you watch something like that and you see what has infiltrated the minds of God's people, it is frightening what people will believe. Let the Bible be so contradictory to what they say they're going to believe it because they still have the idea that they're God. Still have the idea that they're God. And that simply, we, we just believe what we want to believe. You know, Cole talked about uh, Christ in the fourth chapter of John. He said, you know, the time is coming now is when, when the true worshipers Notice, notice what Christ says, true worshiper. He didn't say just worship. <coughs> Time's coming now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For God seeketh such to worship him. For God is a spirit. And they that worship God must worship him 
Notice he says that not only must the way they worship in spirit and truth, but they must worship him. God is God and he is meant to be worshipped. We are to worship him, but we're to worship him in spirit and truth. We don't put a gloss on that just because we don't like it. But the American gospel thing will open your eyes to a lot of junk that's out there. All right. Now, how do we get to the tree then? How, how do we know that we are a part of that tree? And, and what is that tree to us? And what happened? What, who did that, uh, that tree uh, that we speak of being Jesus Christ is a... Uh, You know, when, when Christ gave an example of he being a corn or a grain of wheat, this was, this was Jesus' example. He said, he said if, a, if a corn or a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, or, you know, he said, unless it falls into the ground and die, it bides alone. In other words, if I had a piece of grain right here of wheat and I set it right here, can it germinate on this? It cannot. Cannot. But what if I put it out here in the ground? Can it germinate? Yes, it can. <clears throat> now, let me tell you this. Now, this is pretty spectacular. I looked this up on the Internet because I don't know any better to do. And, and you get information from folks on, of, of things that, that are uh, out of my realm of, of understanding until somebody tells me. So I looked this up on the Internet. If the conditions of the ground, the soil, if, if they are perfect, in other words, the humidity, uh, the, the temp, the depth in which it is planted, if there is a perfect scenario in that ground, you know how many days a wheat seed will germinate? Y'all be able to guess this, y'all. Three. Three days. That's, that's spectacular. That tomb that Jesus was in was a absolute prime for a three-day resurrection. It fit everything God needed it fit. That wheat germinated in three days. In other words, it came out. Now, Jesus Christ says concerning that seed, when it comes out, everything that was in that seed, right, every grain that that seed had was in it when it was sitting right here on this table. When you put that in the ground and it dies and germinates and then it comes out of the ground, it has within itself everything it is meant to bear. Not one more and not one less. That's, that's, that is who Christ is. Christ did not lose a soul, nor will he ever lose a soul. Not everybody was given to Christ, though. Not every individual was given to Christ that he died. You say, well, that don't sound fair. Friends, if God left it to us in a, in a way to get to the tree of life, that he's put a flaming sword around, how in the world are you going to get there? What do you mean fair? We would all be lost if Christ, if, if Christ had not done what he did for his people. Now, now and we, and we go to a tree for that. All right, we go to a tree. Let's let's go to uh, let's go to the book of Peter, First Peter chapter two. All right, let's just listen, listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. <clears throat> the 
And this is talking about Jesus Christ in, in 2 and 22. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. God the Son committed himself to God the Father. He didn't commit himself to you. He committed himself for you. That's a big difference. But he committed himself to God who, can, who would judge righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Now a tree is going to save you. Actually a tree is going to hang on a tree. The tree of life is going to be crucified on this wooden structure that is made out of a tree. And, 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 uh, and uh, Paul talked about in the, in the book of Galatians. Uh, he hath borne the curse for us. We sang that song, What wondrous love is this? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul? When you understand that, friends, you will be glad to take up your cross and follow your Lord. When you understand that fully and freely, you will be alleviated from all doubt and fear. When you understand this, friends, you understand that Jesus Christ did not attempt to bear your sins. He did not simply try and do a general atonement and let's hope this thing works out. Let's roll the dice and see, God, what will happen. The Son of God died particularly for His people, for all their sins. He bore them in His body on a tree. The Apostle Paul said, uh, he, he said uh, concerning Galatians again, that, uh, concerning that curse, that, uh, that He bore the curse for us. For as it is written in the book of Deuteronomy, 21st chapter, you'll find this writing. As it, is, as it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God said this concerning this. Now notice, this is important stuff. Let me tie these trees together. All right. <clears throat> if a man has committed a sin worthy of death. You say, well, Christ didn't. No, he didn't. You know who did? You did. If a man hath committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, thou shalt hang him on a tree. That's God's answer to it. Hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on that tree. Thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. Sound familiar? Sound like a familiar scene to us? The tree of life? Being brought down, Joseph of Arimathea and, 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 and Nicodemus, the Pharisee, putting the spices, wrapping him in linen the very day he was crucified. But wait a minute, he didn't do wrong. No, he didn't. That's not the theme here. The tree of life never sinned. But we're talking about people who do sin things worthy of eternal death. That's you and I. That thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Don't leave, don't leave him there. Uh, you know, the, a tree dying on a tree is pretty spectacular. In fact, you know, when 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 uh, when when Christ was, you know, Pontius Pilate in his Beggings to the Jews, trying to get them to understand. I, I don't find anything wrong with this man. And the poor old man, I just feel sorry for him. 
Every time I read all that, and you know, you get your wife coming in and says, don't have anything to do with this just man right here, for I have been terribly bothered by, uh, by a dream concerning him. You leave him alone, uh, my dear husband. <laughs> I don't know what she called him. Sweetheart. Sweetheart, you leave him alone. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to leave him alone, but they won't let it. They want him crucified. And finally, he gives in to the mob. You give in to the mob. The mob says this. All right, here he is. I'm going to release into you a murderer. I'm going to release into you a, a, a robber. I'm going to release into you somebody who's, who's uh, committed insurrection and sedition. Did you know that Barabbas did all of those things? All four of those crimes. And yet they'd rather have him than the Son of God. That's bad. And they paid for that. They paid for that. All right. So Pontius Pilate lets him go, and, and uh, they nail him to a tree. And then the poor man, I, I mean, they beat him, folks. They beat the Lord. They spitefully entreated him severely wrong. And now he's got to wag this cross up to a hill called Golgotha. And there's a man named Simon of Cyrene. And he helped the Lord bear the cross. He, he kind of helped pick, you know, I'm going to help this, this man up. I think God sent him. But the worst was yet to come for Christ. The worst is yet to come. All right. And during that ascension up to that mount, here's his mama and here's all these sisters, mainly women. You know, women hung around the Lord a lot more than men. Men, we, we tend to think, you know, that we're just above crying and, and, and weeping and going to the Lord's feet. You ever read anybody in the, in, the, in the Bible that went up behind the Lord that was a man and washed his feet with their tears or, or anointed him? It's all women. All them women. That's why, that's why here on communion there's like 25 here and 7 here. Somehow or another men, for whatever reason, we, you know, we, why in the world do we think that we shouldn't hang around the Lord? I and mean, there's one man there called John because the Lord conveyed his mother's responsibility to him. But here are all these women. It says women. The women were weeping around the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He turned to them and he said, Weep not for me, but you weep for yourselves. But it's going to get bad. The reason why it's going to get bad, he said, because if they have done this in a green tree, that is, when the Son of God was on this earth producing... All kind of fruit unto perfection. If the Son of God was healing your daughters and healing your sons, opening the blind eyes, opening the deaf ears, the Son of God could do nothing but good, and they treat Him like this in a green tree, what do you expect they're going to do in a dry season when He's gone? He rose third, uh, three days, 40 days on this earth, and He has not been back since in that form, but He's coming. You weep for yourself. So the green tree is him. He calls himself a tree. A green one. Not a dry one. But a green one. So the green tree is hanging on a tree. Satisfying the wrath of Almighty God. Alright. Okay. Well that is the way. That is God's way of eternal salvation. Period. There, there's no, nothing to add to it. If Christ did that for you. You're going to heaven. If Christ did not do that for you, you're going to hell. That's it. 
You say, well, that's not fair. Friends, again, there's no other way to the Father except this way. You say, well, I want, I want to go to be a part of the Son. I am glad you said that. I am glad you said that. If you really have a true desire to go to be a part of the Son, let's go look at another tree. All right, let's go to the book of Isaiah in the uh, 61st chapter of Isaiah. <clears throat> the writer says this. Now, you know, I, I love the how specific uh, <laughs> the Bible is. You know, again, we can take simple things like a tree, and we're tracing eternal salvation out, but, and that's not all we're going to trace. Bear with me. I know, look here, this five tail, but I'm just getting going good. So I, I apologize. This is probably going to go longer than normal, and that's pretty bad for me. All right. The Spirit of 61st chapter. The Spirit of the Lord God, which was fulfilled in Christ in the fourth chapter of John. I mean, fourth chapter of Luke. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings. Christ was a preacher. He wasn't only a Savior, He was a preacher. All right? But notice the audience that Christ was sent to preach to. I want to, I've come to preach good tidings to the meek. Remember, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted. A man's heart that is broken. Not everybody's heart's broken. Not everybody's meek. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Nobody knows their captivity until it's made known to them. The opening of the prisons to them that are bound by sin. Eat up in it. And then Christ says, you're out of it. It hath no more dominion over you. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God. The, the very day that God took His vengeance out on His Son because you were worthy of death. A day of vengeance. All the sheep were given to Christ for Him to die for. You were sheep before He died for you. There's not one goat that's ever going to be made a sheep. And there's not one sheep that's ever going to turn into a goat. The sheep were given to the Lord. I know my sheep. I give unto them eternal life. So, the, so God said himself, Awake my sword. This is my sword, God says. Awake my sword against my shepherd. I am going to take the sword of vengeance and I am going to smite my shepherd so that the sheep will live forever and eternity for me that I will not bring one thing to their charge. I cannot do it. My elect are going to be free from sin. Yes, they are. My, my elect are going to be free from sin. So Isaiah says in the 65th chapter, he says, So shall the days, or as the days of a tree, so are the days of my people. Now what does the day of a tree look like? i got a big old oak tree. I don't know how long. Probably 150 years the thing's been there. See, and you know, you say you plant this little old tree out here and then it grows up into this mighty oak. Somebody planted it or, or the seed fell years ago. And yet there it is, just as strong and just this big, huge tree. Come down my driveway. It's on the right side. Last one on the right. You see it. The, my, those that have been in my house know what this tree looks like. Big old huge tree. And God compares the days of His people like the days of a tree. Forever. Then He says, And my elect shall long enjoy the labor of their hands. And that's down here. You don't have to work in heaven, folks. There is no working. There is only praise. There's, no, there's nothing laboring against. 
But my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands in this kingdom right here on this earth called the church. If the elect do it right, they're going to enjoy the labor of it. In all labor there is profit, but the speaking of the lips leads only to poverty. And that works natural and spiritual. If you just talk about things, oh, I would like to be a member of the church. I think I'd, I want to, but, you know, I, I'm not going to do it. You know, who, who am I kidding? I don't want to be a part of the church. I can't do that. That will lead only to poverty. Because as a tree, and we're going to get to this part. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But the elect shall enjoy the work of their hands. All right, let's go back to our scripture. I'm going to proclaim the year of the Lord, the day of bench of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, one of my wife's favorite parts. The oil of joy instead of mourning, that sorrow. The garments of praise that we're doing today. We're praising God here today. A garment of praise. God gives you a garment of praise. This is not natural to you. <clears throat> the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees. Now, you're a tree. Makes sense to me. If the Son of God's a tree and we're a part of Him, you're a tree. You're a tree of righteousness. That they may be called a tree of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. God planted you in that, uh, that condition. You did not get there yourself. You have to have it. There is no way that you can ascend to heaven, friends, without a righteousness that makes you fit for it. That is the tree of life, righteousness, imputed unto you. That's what makes you a tree of righteousness. You see, you see how simple this goes, the language of this? Trees. The planting of the Lord. The planting of the Lord. Oh, and, that, and so Jesus Christ himself, in, in, in Jeremiah, God talks about him, I shall uh, raise unto David, uh, or... or, or I shall raise up of David um, a king, and he shall prosper. All right? This king is going to prosper. He's not going to try to. This king is going to prosper, and his name shall be the Lord our righteousness. That's his name. You'd do just as well to call him Jesus the Righteous. That's his name. Now, if you are a part of a righteous tree, or that righteous tree dwells in you, and it has to be imputed. You see, this is where people get this, get all this out of whack. This is a part of it. All right. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul talks about this righteousness as a lacking from our part in John, uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. But in Romans chapter 4, he says this. David describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, I will forgive their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more, and I will not impute their sins unto them. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> there's the tree of life. The Son of God satisfied the wrath of God for everybody that God gave him then God conveys, there has to be a conveyance of something of the Son. Just like Adam, there was a conveyance of Adam's rib that made the bride. Was there not God had to open him up? Blood had to shed? A part of Adam has to come out? The bride is made from a part of Adam? She is now bones of his bones and flesh of his flesh? So are you 
a part of Christ as the bride of Christ, as every child of God ever will be the same way. A part of him has to be conveyed to you, and it is a righteousness that makes you fit. So Paul says things like, he has made into us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And your trees, you're called a tree of righteousness on this behalf. On this behalf, on behalf of the righteous Lord, the righteous Savior, now you are fit for heaven. Well, says the sinner, that, that sounds good to me. It is good, y'all. It is good news. I mean, that's what Christ is saying. He is a preacher of good news. And now, now let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 12. Let's, let's, look at the, let's look at a tree that Christ talks about as to how. And, and then we're going to look at some expectations. All right? So Matthew chapter 10, the Lord, uh, 12, in the 33rd verse, the, the Lord says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known of his fruit. All right, now how in the world do you know that you're a righteous tree, a tree of righteousness? How do you know you are the planting of the Lord? How, how in the world is there any way and sense that we know that we are the planting of the Lord? It is by what now abides in us. When Christ dwells in you, which is the same as the Spirit of God, He brings with you certain things called fruits. He brings with Him certain things called fruits. In the book of Galatians, we have a list. If you want a list of these, let's just go to Galatians and let's read the list. That's, that's pretty easily done. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Now notice, this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is not fruit of the flesh. Man cannot produce any of these next nine things that I'm about to read to you if he is dead in his sins. And these things here are spiritual. These are spiritual fruits from a spiritual God by which these people can worship and serve. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and that's God's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. So now, now, you know, Paul said earlier that there's none good, but now he's calling people good. Why? Because they're righteous. Why? Because Christ dwells in them. Now they're good. They can do good. Faith. Boy, I tell you what, if everybody would get their hands on this one. This faith doesn't come by hearing. This faith is imputed. It is a gift of God. But this faith is perfected by hearing the gospel. This faith is brought to life that is brought to fruition by the gospel and working. Remember, this faith, James says, is what? Without works. What is faith without works? Go ahead and say it. Dead. D-E-A-D, dead. You're dormant, useless, unless you act upon what God has given you to act upon. Because when God makes a tree good, he's going to expect something from that tree. Who wouldn't? I mean, who wouldn't? And when, and this is God. So when, so when Christ says, you make the tree good, and it can bear good fruit. Make it good. Now there's a problem with us. 
And another tree is going to show. There is a problem with us. There is a young blind man who is not born blind because this sight was restored to him. In Mark chapter 8. This is, we're going to go back to the first tree that we just don't see ourselves correctly. We often think ourselves way too highly than we ought to. I'm included. There's a blind man who said, Lord, heal me that I may receive my sight. And it said, and there was a crowd, and Jesus took him over here out of the city a little ways, and there's still people walking around. And Jesus spit in his eyes. I mean, can you imagine somebody spitting in your eyes? Just spit. That would not bother me if the Son of God did it. He spit in his eyes. Now, he did that on purpose, and, 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 and this whole sequence is purposely done. God don't do anything in the Bible that is not purposely done for you and I to understand certain things. All right? So now the man has spit on the eye, and the Lord says, What, <clears throat> what do thou seest all? So open them. Tell me what you see. The man says, I see men as trees walking, way bigger than what they should be, elongated, mighty. Bigger than they should be. Distorted view of them, no doubt. Then the Son of God says, then, then, then all he did was put his hand on him. And then he said, now you look up and tell me what you see. He said, I see all men clearly. When Jesus Christ opens your eyes correctly, you do not see yourself distorted higher than God. You do not see yourself as a God, making your own decisions, doing what you want to do, unresponsive to the gospel. You do not say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am lofting, doggone it, you know, and, and, and I've got ambition. Why in the world would I want to fix myself to that old people called the Primitive Baptists out there at Buffalo and, and, and sing those old songs and, sing, and, and, and hear that preaching over and over about that doctrine of sovereignty. Why would I want to do that? You know what? If I think about that, I am seeing myself in a greater way than what I really am. And Christ just hadn't showed me what I really am yet. Because if I see myself correctly, I am going to go. <laughs> I am going to affix myself. Like Brother Tim has. And, uh, and, and, and say, I feel home. Well, I'm glad he feels at home right here. I'm glad he feels at home. We ought to make him feel at home right here. Amen. Everybody ought to make Brother Tim feel at home right here. And the next person who comes in and who God opens their eyes to see themselves correctly reduces them down to nothing. You see man correctly when Christ... Now you're ready to be a disciple. Until you do that, my friends, until, until you can see yourself clearly, Jesus Christ says in, in, in Luke chapter 14, you take heed. You better take heed before you join the church. I want you to take heed. Do you have what it takes to finish it? Don't you start something and don't finish. That was His word. And He said, because, and don't be a king who has 10,000 people. And here's this king out here with 20. That's the worldly king. Alright? And then eventually you say, you know, the world is my friend. I send a messenger of peace and I and wave my red flag and I say, I want peace with the world. You will not, if you're going to do that, then you will not be a disciple. 
You cannot be a disciple. Now, the, the tree that God makes good, and then He gives us everything that we need for His glory's sake. For His glory's sake, not yours. Now, don't expect a trophy here. You know, I, I, was, I was a ball player growing up, like my nephews, and, and, uh, and man, I had a ton of trophies. You know, that, I wasn't really outstanding in anything, but I did get a few most valuable player things, you know. Uh, most valuable defensive player in the eighth grade. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and I had all these trophies. Uh, don't expect to be exalted here with trophies. Don't expect to be rewarded with monetary things. Do not expect money here. There's something better than money, something better than trophies. Don't what you what we do with what God has given us to do yields a reward of this very same thing that God put a flaming sword to protect. All right. Now let's go to the let's go to Revelation chapter two. We're but we're about to draw this thing to a close, y'all. Just bear with me a little bit longer, please. All right, Revelation. We know we know uh, Brother Broadway talked about uh, Laodiceans. Brother Cole talked about the church at Sardis. Here, the church at Ephesus. Jesus Christ said, "This is my problem with you." Now let's not let this be a problem with the church at Buffalo. All right, the church at Buffalo is a church. If God, if Christ wrote us a letter, what would he say? Because he knows every one of you. He knows, he knows me, he knows you. He knows exactly what is in your heart. If a letter was written to Buffalo Church by the Lord himself, let's hope that he would not say, I have somewhat against you. That's serious. Why? Because you have left your first love. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? The first thing? Love. Who is love? God is love. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You've left that. You've left the tree of life. You have, you have diminished the tree of life to the point where you do not see yourself as you should and you definitely do not see Him as you should. There is only one solution to this problem. There are not many solutions the only solution, and God's not going to change. God's not going to say, I'm okay with that with you, Lofton, because of who you are. The only solution is a change in us or repentance. Remember, repentance, John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of God's ahead. Repent. Repent. Now, what happened to the folks that did or didn't? You remember, remember what happened? John says, the axe is what? Laid to the tree. God cut a whole nation of people off from what you are doing here today because they did not repent and change and exalt the Savior as they should. And then Paul threatens us, the Gentiles, in Romans chapter 11. He said, if the branches were broken off, Jewish branches, and you were grafted in to this thing called the gospel kingdom, if they were broken off and you were grafted in, he says, take heed lest ye also fall. He says, but you continue, notice that word continue, in these things, or else God will sever you from the vine, from the, from the tree in your branch. He said, what, what makes that, does that make a difference to me? It should make a difference to us. 
That, I mean, that, do we ever think about things like this? I didn't grow up in the Primitive Baptist Church thinking, what, am I, what if I'm severed? What if I'm severed? What if God severs Buffalo Church? What if God judges us, which he does, according to our works and our fruits and finds us wanting and simply says, I'll spew you out of my mouth, you'll no longer be a church. It's not God's fault. We just simply see ourselves wrong. That's trees walking. We go back to the tree. All right? You repent, do your first work, and he says, He that hears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. To him that overcometh will I give what? To eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. This tree of life is in the midst of the paradise of God. Still there today. Still there today. The, uh, in the last book of Revelations, the 22nd chapter of Revelations, we find a little bit about this tree. Now, this, this is on earth. Listen, heaven is perfect. The earth is not. The church is an extension of heaven's perfection down on this earth. Does that, would everybody agree with that? I'm talking about the church that Christ set up. I'm not talking about religious groups that just pop up all over the place. I'm talking about the church that Christ built. In fact, Deuteronomy says it's like the days of heaven on earth. It is an extension, an arm, if you will, of the perfections of heaven on this earth. It has a head called Christ. It has a Savior. It has a people. And the same thing that they're going to do in heaven, they're to do down here. They're to worship their Savior. All right? This thing that is called earth, or this thing is called the kingdom of heaven. John sees a vision of it coming down. It comes down. In the end, we're going up. But now this comes down, this heavenly Jerusalem, this, <laughs> this beautiful city. And don't look beautiful to the world. You don't look very beautiful to the world today, folks. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you had worldly religion, come on, Scott. It don't bother me, hon, to, to click those heels. If you had worldly religion looking at you, they'd say, boy, they are way out of date. That's okay. Leave me where I am. Leave me in this original scene and setting. Leave me with Christ. All right. So this is the view of the tree of life. In the midst of the street, all right, uh, let's go to the uh, first verse. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God, of the Lamb. In the midst of the street, on either side of the street, that is, in the middle of these two streets, or, or in the middle of the street and the river, there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. There's no time in heaven, is there? Hmm. When do I need to eat this? I need it now. Twelve manner of fruit. The bear. Christ does not go dormant. You know, I have fruit trees. This time of year, they're dormant. They don't produce anything. Jesus Christ does not go dormant. He doesn't need refreshing. He produces His fruit for us month after month after month with twelve different varieties. I don't know how to explain that. Somebody can tell me that. I, you know, I would love to talk with somebody and explain me those 12 varieties. But they're there, and they're there every month. It is a tree of life. Okay. And uh, the leaves are for the healing of the nations. You know what the United States needs? Some healing? Well, guess, guess what is for that? The tree of life. I mean, the simplicity of his worship, the belief in his gospel... 
the service of God, all of that will heal the nation. Sounds like to me. It's for the healing of the nations. There should be no more curse there. In other words, in this kingdom, there's not a curse. Christ took it for you. I told you that. God said, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You don't bear that curse. The throne of God and the Lamb are in it, and the servants shall serve him. This is us. All right. Skip on over to the other, to the last part of this chapter. Blessed are they that do his commandments. If you want to be a blessed individual, you do the commandments of God. If you want to partake of the tree of life, then you bear the fruits that God gave you to bear. I'm talking about a living tree. Remember, you're a planted of God. You're in righteousness. If you need the gospel, if you need Christ, if, you're, if you know your sins... You are, you are fit for this. You are fit for this time right now. You are fit for this kingdom. God has made you. Don't ever think, I'm just unworthy. I can't do it. You can do it. Take it up and do it. Because notice, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life, and that they may enter in through the gates into the cities. For outside, in heaven, now there's not this stuff outside of heaven. For without, there's dogs. That's not Charlie and Hobie and your and, and, and Novi and dogs like that. There's people who act like dogs. They're sorcerers. There's your there's the tarot cards we was talking about the other night. There's your there's your divinations. There's there's people who's who's sorcery uh, uh, trying to trying to uh, uh, put into every one of us a false belief of who God is to make us think that we're like God. Okay. There's murderers out there. There's idolaters, and everything that loves a lie is in, is in the world. And we know the whole world lies in wickedness. All right, last scripture we're going to is in the book of Jeremiah, and, then, and this is where I want to draw this to its close. All right, so fruits. The fruits that we have, we are to, we are to show. Because, I mean, why would we not? God expects them. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's like if you gave your kids... Everything in the world. And, you're, and then your kids just really kind of threw it up in your face. And you gave them commandments saying, all right, now I give you this. I expect this of you. And they just don't do it. Now, how many of you would be, oh, it's okay. None of us would. None of us would. We would expect our children to be obedient to us because they are our children. Right? They're our children. All right. Now, in the 17th chapter of Jeremiah, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. In other words, cursed be the man who sees man as a tree walking, and makes flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. You cannot depart from something you're not a part of. You cannot depart from something you are not a part of. That makes sense, right? I can't. We can't depart from the church building today, the, or the the doors, unless we're in here first. So depart from God tells me that these are the people of God who are under a curse because they trust in themselves, they trust in man, they trust in the arm of flesh, they trust in a system of world, they trust in lust, they trust in all the things that are that are not parts of those fruits. That individual shall be like the heath in the desert, produce nothing, like a desert, like a cactus kind of thing, you know. <coughs> shall not see when good cometh. He's going to miss the goodness of Christ. 
Shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land not inhabited. They shall be useless to the praises of God. And that is a curse to be under that will never benefit that individual. Now blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Now notice what he shall be like. He is like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and he shall not see when the heat cometh. When things start going bad, he's still drawing his supply from the very waters of life. His leaf shall always be green. He doesn't go dormant. He shall not be careful in the year of the drought, neither shall he cease from yielding fruit. Now why is a tree able to do that? It has to draw its Food, its nourishment from a river that never ceases. Just like Christ talks about him being the vine and you're the branches. He says, if a man that is part of me does not produce fruit, the Father will sever him from the vine. Men will gather him and burn him. And, and that is, that's the curse. If you're easily persuaded by men to not join, to not fix yourself to the body of Christ, to not worship God, if you're easily persuaded by men, then you're simply may have been severed by God. That's serious. That's extremely serious. I don't want to be in that condition. That worries me about myself. Now, Christ gives us the answer. You abide in me. In other words, you get your nutrients from me. You, you pray to me. You worship me. You serve me. You keep my commandments. You bear fruit. And I'm going to give you the tree of life. I'm going to give you what you need to make you stronger in this world. And you will not cease from yielding fruit. But now the heart is deceitful. Right? The heart is deceitful and desperately, desperately wicked. And who can know it? I, the Lord, search the hearts. I try the reins, even to give to every man according to his ways and according to his doings. So free grace does not separate us from our doings, does it? Free grace actually commands our doings. Free grace commands us to fellowship with each other in love. Free grace commands us to take up our cross by the commandment of the Lord himself, be baptized, affix yourself to a body of believers, and then you stay with that body of believers all the days of your life until you have no more breath left in you. That's what free grace commands. The primitive Baptists, we've done a bad job over the years of not preaching as much what free grace commands of us. But we have been rocked to sleep in the cradle of grace as if to say, man, this is the best thing in the world. I'm going to heaven anyways. I can kind of live like I want to live and do like I want to do. You will, we will pay. I, I have paid. I don't want to pay anymore. Not in that area. <laughs> I owe God a debt. Paul said we are debtors, not to the flesh to fulfill its lust, but to the spirit. I owe God that. You owe God that. Buffalo Church owes God our service and our love. And you know what? When we do this, you know what, you know what your benefit is? Again, it's not trophies. It's Christ. You have a right to the tree of life. Jesus says, here I am. This is what you want. This is what you get. And praise be to God when he gives us that. What a glorious day that is. When there is shouting on the mountain, when there's tears flowing out of the eyes, when there's 
the greatest assurance of one's calling and election that they find in that tree of life. So, you know, the tree is taught throughout the Bible. Uh, we've just traced, and there's, there's tons more, y'all. <laughs> there's tons more trees, and, and so when you read your Bible, go look for the trees in there, and they will teach you wonderful lessons. 